When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast with me, Rich Ferraro. And today we've got a bit of a double header for you. We've got a report on Forest's extra time win away at Blackpool in the FA Cup. And then we will be bringing you your Friday Five, the top five stories coming out of the city ground this week. So starting off with the Forest uh, versus Blackpool match. And as you will probably know by now, and most of you may even have watched it, Forest needed extra time to get past Blackpool in the FA Cup. In a reversal of the match at the City Ground, it was Forest who took a two-goal lead before the home team came back. And then, despite a scare right at the death, Forest managed to take it to extra time, where they got the winning goal through Chris Wood. Um, George, you were at the match. First of all, have you thawed out yet? Only just, I was fine. I took a heated gilet on my mum's heated gilet. I borrowed that, so I was nice and toasty. But my granddad forgot to bring his coat, so <laughs> that made it a memorable afternoon. So we had a quick scurry up to Sainsbury's to get a replacement. But yeah, only just now. Got in at half past two to a double duvet, and that's just what I needed. <laughs> okay, well, I'm glad that you and Grandad were both okay in what must have been a perishingly cold night. And of course, there was a danger that the match was actually going to get called off at one point, which probably had you nervously checking your phone on the way up. Um, let's just have a look at the Forest team. So we had Odysseus in goal, a back four of Nico Williams at right back and Nuno Tavares at left back, with Murillo partnered by Andrew Omabamadeli for the first time in a Forest shirt. Uh, in midfield, we had Aurel Mangala and Danilo with Ryan Yates uh, as well, pre- playing slightly further forward from those two. And then we had Nico Dominguez and Callum Hudson-Odoi flanking Chris Woods. And I think it's fair to say, George, that Forrest were more or less in control until they weren't. <laughs> yeah, well, they were in control um, for much of the first half, I suppose, weren't they? I mean... They started off, Blackpool came up for us straight away. They penned them in, didn't give them any space in the first five minutes. And that was probably always going to happen. You know, Blackpool, they were unbeaten at home or won the last seven games, I think, at home. So they were probably keen to show Forrest, you know, that it wouldn't be an easy task for them. Um, so Forrest did well to sort of weather that storm. And then they obviously sort of started to grow into the game. But I think with the formation, like you mentioned, with sort of the four midfield players, there was a lot of wondering what formation it would be, who would be sort of sitting. And Mangala was sort of the number six. And then it was sort of Danilo, Dominguez and Yates all in that sort of centre mid slash right mid slash cam role and sort of interchanging. And it didn't really look that balanced, but Forrest sort of made it work throughout the first half. Blackpool didn't cause them that many issues apart from 
a few sort of distant strikes. Um, but Forest themselves didn't really look that threatening going forward. And it had to be a few set piece chances and ultimately a, a goal from Umbra Modelli that made um, Forest take the lead. Because apart, from, I don't know the negative we've won, we've gone through, I'm happy we've gone through and bring on Bristol City. But um, in terms of, especially in the first half, they didn't really create that many chances in terms of through their good play. So set pieces um, often have to be the saving grace and they were for Forrest. And um, that's a couple of set pieces now since the set piece coaches came in as a, a nicely worked corner. And actually throughout the game, Forrest tried this sort of outswinging corner, you know, from the right, it would be Dominguez from the left of ours. And often for the last few years, it's been the in-swingers, but Forrest has clearly got this new ploy. So um, I think Murillo missed a header after about 10 minutes from a corner from the left. And then it was about 15 minutes on the clock uh, that Forrest did take the lead. Nicely worked corner from Dominguez into the near post, knocked on by Ryan Yates into a decent area. And uh, I think all the Blackpool players were ball watching or trying to play Forrest offside. And they didn't see Armand Bambadeli at the back post. And he was there on his debut to tap home. Uh, family of Forrest fans, I'm sure he enjoyed that. Mm. Uh, and Stephen, you're here as well. And like me, you were watching on the television. So um, just going back to the point that, uh, that George just made there. So, yes, they needed the set piece to get their goal. One thing that was interesting to me is I could clearly hear the Forest fans singing if Yatesy scores were in the sea. And then Yatesy got the header, which promptly didn't go anywhere near the goal, but it did essentially flick it on so that Amabamadeli had the freedom of the coast to um, to tap in. And But it was a composed finish as well, wasn't it, Stephen? Yeah, he took it well. It's very easy in a situation like that to panic or throw a foot at the ball and lose your composure. But he he kept control of it with a nice finish. And yeah, I was really pleased for him to get on the score sheet. And as George was saying, it's now a couple of set-piece goals that we've had recently. And when you have a game like that last night where we weren't playing particularly well and not being too effective in terms of our open our open play having those set pieces up your sleeve is a real bonus and it can get you out of a hole and I think it did for us last night mm, mm. and um just to to skip forward so it was it was, it was one nil at half time and George it was two nil very very soon after the restart because Forrest did what we you know it's always nice to see it happen it doesn't seem to happen often enough they pressed the um pressed the defending team straight away from the kickoff and took the lead after 28 seconds yeah, it was a fabulous start to the second half and just what Forrest needed to suppose because Blackpool would have been hoping to have a similar start to what they did at the first, getting Forrest faces and kicking towards their more vocal fans, try and get um, another goal back. But yeah, nice impressed from Forrest. I think it was um, Albin Morgan, who one of their best players in form, he obviously scored later on in the game, but he uh, sold the goalkeeper short um, and then Dominguez went in there for that challenge as he was always going to do and he was always favourite to get it in the box with the goalkeeper challenger. Um, for it as well. So he squares it across. Danilo is there scampering in the middle and a nice bit of composure from Danilo. He's often a bit rash, but instead of just lashing it first time, he took a few little touches and then um, hit it in towards the corner. I'm not sure if it was on target or not, but it did uh, in the end deflect off uh, Marvin Ekpateta, it was, wasn't it? Um, so yeah, nice for Danilo to get on the score sheet. It was a, a sort of rallying performance from him. He did fade um, throughout the game but I mean he loves scoring it's brilliant to see him run away with that celebration I don't know how to describe it but I'll do it on the Zoom um, <laughs> and yeah it was a brilliant moment and you just thought you know Forrest can now cruise into the third this fourth round of the cup uh, but it wasn't to be but yeah a perfect start to the second half just what we needed and um, yeah well done Danilo uh, and for our listeners benefits there uh, George just did some pointy fingers um, Stephen at that point were you thinking 
all right, we're in control and cruising because the commentators on ITV certainly did, although they also uh, initially said it was a really great finish by Danilo and actually it really wasn't. So, <laughs> uh, I, I think we've, if you've been following Forrest for a while now, you'll know that Forrest don't do cruising very well. And there was always a risk, I suppose, that if Blackpool got a goal by one means or another, the tails would be up and suddenly Forrest were up against it. And that proved to be the case. And in fairness to Blackpool, they're going to throw bodies forward and and try and get the ball into the box and make life difficult for Forrest in that that last 40 minutes or so. Because why not? You've got nothing to lose at 2-0 down. It proved to be effective for them. And as you see in these kind of cup ties, these pitches can be real levelers. It was a frozen pitch with snow piled up at the side, cold night, by the by the coast it all made for a very difficult evening for forest and so it proved to be in the end mm, and um forest were pretty much in control for the first hour now in the incident that led up to forest getting the second goal uh blackpool's goalkeeper did get uh, injured dan grimshaw and he came off just before the hour mark and it was just that that it's almost as if that kind of kick-started Blackpool into action because for the first time they exerted a little bit of pressure and and Forrest just seemed to lose composure a little bit and that's what led to uh, led to Albie Morgan's goal. Now, everyone's going to point out, and rightly so, is a fabulous finish into the top corner, really controlled finish as well. But um, George, I'm I'm just thinking to myself, all the goals so far, including um, the Forest goals and Albie Morgan's goal, came as a result of, well, frankly, defensive mistakes, I guess, um, or, or a lack of defensive composure. Let's let's put it that way. Yeah, big time. Ryan Yates, unfortunately, the culprit this time. I, I actually watched the replays and I think they cut it off before this happened. But Yates has a chance to clear it on the edge of the box. And I think it was pretty, pretty sure it was on his right foot. But instead, he tries to sort of try and change over the play and play it to the left, allow it to come on his left foot. And by the time he's done that, Blackpool have pressed him, they've won the ball back, and then they eventually work it wide. Then the ball in is headed away pretty poorly. And because Forrest have packed bodies into the box, it drops nicely for Morgan. And how he's hit that, he's sort of basically facing the sky doing a, a somersault, but somehow um, gets it into the top corner. I know he scored a very similar goal from distance. Um, at the weekend, uh, did they play Port Vale or something like that? I saw on, on the championship highlights, it might not be Port Vale, I tell it back, but yeah, he saw scored a similar goal like that. And um, for a neutral watching the game, obviously there'll be a lot on ITV4. It was actually a goal that um, was needed because the game was sort of, it was a bit flat. Like you said, the goalkeeping change did have an impact on it, but suddenly after that, there was atmosphere in the ground, there were substitutions everywhere. Um, you know, and it, and it really brought the game back into life. Obviously, from a Forest point of view, that's not what you want because we were relatively comfortable and coasted into a fourth round tie against Bristol in nine days. And you could see from when we considered that goal that it was only going to go one way, especially with Forest and with them starting to struggle. I thought the two centre backs, Murillo and Amabambadeli, were, were starting to struggle, particularly in the air. And obviously, in the end, Warren and McKenna came on for that, but yeah. they were they were struggling and. I thought, especially in the first half, yes, it was his debut and I don't want to be too harsh on him and he scored the goal, obviously, but Morello was covering a lot of ground to cover for Arnbamadeli's sort of positional naivety, maybe, and in the air, he wasn't really that prominent. And I think in the end, that told because he, he can't be weak defensively against a League One outfit. Well, yeah, and uh, after after they got back in the game, Blackpool 
did change basically their front three and they went for a slightly more physical approach and and that paid dividends because only a few minutes later that thing that you said about being being a little bit vulnerable in the air came to fruition um Stephen the ball came in from the left hand side it was a bit of a hopeful ball now again the commentators were critical firstly of Nuno Tavares and then Murillo um but that pretty much says all you need to know about the standard of commentary for this game. Um, this is something we could have a whole separate conversation about. But ultimately, it was um, Odysseus. Um, and for fans of Greek philosophy, you will be aware of the fact that he's had a long journey to get to Forest. Uh, but on this one, he earned his surname, which, as you pointed out in our group chat, Flappadimos. <laughs> yes, it's... I really want things to go well for him because I like the way he plays with his feet and he, he seemed to have pedigree before he came to Forest, but we're just not seeing it. And this goal, it's like you say, it's a hopeful ball, but it comes right across the goal line. And at no point does he look like he either wants to claim it or looks capable of claiming actually, and it. And he doesn't actually even flap at it. He just kind of watches it, doesn't he? he just, yeah, he just watches it go over his head. Um. You, yeah, you can make a case maybe Murillo was was pulled down, but I think that's just physical centre-forwards doing their job, really. Murillo's got to be stronger. But, yeah, just a goalkeeper's got to try and command in that situation and try and collect the ball, cover the line better, follow the ball, punch it away, do something. You can't just stand there and watch it going over your head because that's where goals like that come from. Brilliant for Blackpool, but so avoidable and scrappy from our point of view. I mean, the guy's two yards out. He's two yards out, right? The six-yard box, like Stephen's day, that is where goalkeepers have to command. Anything that comes into that area, you've got to get it. When the ball comes in, he's basically stood at the edge of his six-yard box, like basically by the corner flag. And he's about six foot five. And the guy that heads it in is two yards out. And he was nowhere near it. And that, for a goalkeeper, is inexplicable. And I think it's sort of reassured everyone that Matt Turner is our number one. And for something like that to happen, you know that, it's a big mistake as it's happened. So, yeah, he got so nowhere basically, near that. basically, we need Turner. We need Turner's shot stopping and Odysseus's feet um, yeah. combined into one thing, and that's that's not actually doable, as far as I'm aware. Not permitted. Um, George, what was the mood like in the Forest End at that moment? Because I bet you're thinking, "Oh God, here we go." Yeah, well, I think well, like I said, when the first goal went in, it was very predictable because it's Forest. We've all been there before, and with the atmosphere, the momentum. I mean, on the TV, I don't know if you could hear the Blackpool fans, but they were rocking as well, um, especially as the first goal went in. They were almost sucking that ball in and we conceded with about 10 minutes to go. Somehow they added 10 minutes of added time as well. And yeah, it was a very long 20 minutes then until we got to the end. Forrest obviously nearly threw it away in, in stoppage time as well. But yeah, there was uh, no one was leaving in the away end, but I think many people were, were dreading that they would be leaving at 90 minutes, um, having lost the game, not won it. Well, yes, and and right at the death, um, it it almost came to pass, didn't it? Because if we just um, skip right to the end of those ten minutes of stoppage time, Dembele, the Blackpool substitute, got free, went around Odysseus, uh, but he just he wasn't quite didn't quite have the courage of his convictions, did he? And Aral Mangala did a really good job of getting back and being on the line to cover his his goalkeeper. But, I mean, that should have been curtains, shouldn't it, George? 
It should have. And how that ball's been allowed to go through and no Forest players have reacted to it with the high line we were playing was really inexplicable. In fairness to this, I've just slabbered him. I get that. He did relatively well with that because he forced the player to go wide. He didn't sort of commit to going down that quickly. And I mean, had Mangala not been there, yeah, we would have conceded. So Mangala does have to take huge kudos for that. But yeah, I mean, given how the last 10 minutes went, Forest did rally. They had a few shots from sort of the edge of the box. But had Blackpool won it, I don't think they could be complaining and I think extra time was something neither side would have wanted so mm, okay um now let's just skip to the end I mean this is just a brief report so um worth pointing out there was a medical emergency in the uh forest crowd and but in the two in between the two periods of stoppage time uh that did lead to a slight delay um now George you were saying that it took a long time to get attention over there and and in the end the fact that Andrew Omabamadeli went down injured just near where the fan was needing treatment. Actually, maybe was what got the attention it needed because he went down. Obviously, you know something was going on. You could see him on the camera waving to say, come here, there's someone, yeah. you know. Um, so, but let's skip right to the end because Forrest did take the lead and a lead that they managed to preserve this time. And actually, this is the only goal in the match where you'd say it wasn't entirely down to defensive mistakes. It was quite a nice goal. Although, from where you were sat, do you think there was a hint of offside when Ryan Yates got the ball to put it, when he drove it across the face of goal? I did think there was a hint of offside, but I've not actually seen this back on the on the replay, but I thought it came off the Blackpool player and then deflected into Yates' path. Now, that might not have been what happened, but that's how I saw it. But... Yeah, Yates is driving his passion. It, it, it really culminated there because he gets to the ball on the byline, puts it across goal. And then Chris Wood's there to tap home. And that was the one good ball that Forrest put across into the area the whole game. And Chris Wood has been on the pitch for 90 minutes, plus the 10 minutes of stoppage time, plus the 15 minutes of extra time. And he's waiting for that one chance. And that one chance came and he's there to stick it away. And that's what you need in your centre-forward. So brilliant centre-forward play. Wood was one of the positives, actually, of yesterday because he didn't have much to feed on, but he won quite a lot of headers with no support from either winger. Um, he kept going. And like I say, as a striker, you've got to be in them positions to score goals, and he always seems to be. Yeah, um, and Stephen, just briefly uh, before we move on, um, I mean, I would also give plaudits to Dominguez and to Mangala and Ryan Yates got ITV's man of the match. And I wouldn't argue that any of those didn't have good matches, but... Nuno said afterwards, well, that's the, the nature of the FA Cup. He was kind of talking up. Neil Critchley was proud of his team and did, like I said, maybe there was a hint of offside. There's no VAR. And Critchley quite rightly pointed out it doesn't make sense to have VAR in, in one match and not the other. And I think that's a fair point. Um, but just uh, just to sum up, really, I'm just thinking that at 60 minutes, as George said earlier, it's pretty dull, wasn't a very good spectacle. Um, the remaining uh, 60 minutes were a very good spectacle for the neutral, but actually I was pretty happy with a 2-0 dull victory at, uh, on the hour mark, weren't you? Yeah, with the with Brentford coming up on the weekend, with the fact that we've got quite a few players away on AFCON duty, a really, a really routine 2-0 boring victory would have done the job. We could have got through and not had to play another extra 30 minutes of football and tire the players out even more. So we could have done without that, to be honest. Great entertainment for the neutral, like you say, but we could have done with some extra minutes in the legs in terms of 
not being as tired at Brentford on Saturday, hopefully. And fingers crossed it hasn't affected how we approach that game or how that game plays out. And just briefly, I just want to say Brandon Aguilera off the bench did absolutely fantastically. A brilliant cameo. It was exactly what we needed off the bench because um, Hudson Adoy, I don't want to come and slate him, but we want him to have confidence to take someone on and beat a man. But in Ilanga's absence, that's who you'd want. But Hudson Adoy has never really done that. He did that against Blackpool in the second half with Tavares pushing him on, but Tavares sort of held back a bit in this game and Hudson-Odoi wasn't the same player he was in that second half. So I thought Aguilera did fantastically coming on and I'm sure we'll touch on Gibbs-White's um, injury in the Friday five potentially, but he looks like a really good option going forward, um, whether he can contribute um, off the bench or from the start. OK, thank you very much. And as George just mentioned, we're going to be back in just a minute with the Friday five when we'll go over to Jamie at the 1865 News Desk. Twenty twenty four is upon us, which means a packed schedule of FA Cup, Afcon, and of course Premier League action. Beat the January Blues and watch every game with the atmosphere it deserves down at your local Green King Sports Pub. Don't settle for a dodgy stream. If it's on the telly, it's on at your local Green King venue across a huge HD screens. Huge. If you download the Green King Sports app, you'll also receive 10% off every single drink whenever there's a game on, and you'll also be supporting us here at 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. If you're doing dry January, then Green King venues also offer a range of low and no alcohol options, so you don't have to settle for a worse sports watching experience. You're listening to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. Hi, this is Jamie Martin from the 1865 News Desk. The headline of this week's news to start it off, Nottingham Forest have been charged with a PSR breach. This week, the Premier League announced that Nottingham Forest were one of the two teams to be charged with breaching profitability and sustainability rules alongside Everton. After heavy spending last summer and a failure to sell Brennan Johnson before the date for final 22-23 season accounts, Nottingham Forest are in breach of financial spending rules according to the Premier League. Forrester responded with a brief statement in which they say they will find a speedy resolution for the charge. Nick DeMarco KC, a leading sports lawyer, will represent Forrest in front of an independent commission, with Nottingham Forest arguing that they could not sell Brennan Johnson earlier due to the wishes of the player, alongside other factors to defend the club. Any form of penalty is expected to be shared in late April, with court hearings to be over by early April. And now some sad news this week. Cheku Kiate has departed from AFCON following the passing of his father. Senegal and Nottingham Forest star Cheku Kiate has departed from his country's camp at the African Cup of Nations following the sudden passing of his father on Tuesday. Mr Bangiogu Kiate passed away on February 16th, 2024. His funeral took place at the Kar Yalar Mosque in Senegal's largest city, Dakar. The Senegalese Football Federation extended their heartfelt condolences to the family of Cheku Kiate and took no time in authorising his absence to attend his father's funeral. From all of us at the 1865 podcast, we would like to extend our thoughts to Cheku and his family at this time. In transfer news, Oro Mangala has been subject to new bids from France. Oro Mangala's future is up in the air as of the current time, with many reports coming in, with a new bid from Ligue 1 side Stade René proving to add more competition in the race to secure the Belgian star's signature. 
Florian Plettenberg of Sky Sports Germany has been reporting exclusives on the future of Oral Mangala in recent times. Just last week, he was the first to report that both Napoli and Juventus has interest in the midfielder, but presented no bid as of yet, with Galatasaray, the other club, interested. Their initial bid was rejected and no further offer has been made as far as we know. The offer from Stade Rene was that of a loan with obligation to buy the player based on certain objectives, with a future fee amounting to €25 million Euros or £21.4 million. Pounds. Evangelos Marinakis, Nottingham Forest owner, is understood to want more, but does like Oro Mangala and believes he is a quality player. More updates to follow. And Nottingham Forest head coach Nuno Espirito Santo has responded to the PSR charge facing his club recently. In his pre-Blackpool FA Cup replay press conference, Forest head coach Nuno answered questions from the press with Forest's PSR charge front and centre of the questioning. In the recent presser, Nuno was asked about his thoughts on the charge, to which he replied, We're all concerned in the club, but me as a coach, it's nothing I have to think or deal with. My job is clear. It is to prepare the team, and that's what we're focused on. A strong and focused reply from the Forest head coach, who doesn't quite shrug off the concerns about the charge, but urges calm and good mentality from his players ahead of future fixtures. And finally from this week's news, a Chris Wood winner edges Forest into the next round of the FA Cup. In a rather poor game at Bloomfield Road, in which finished 3-2, Nottingham Forest emerged victorious in extra time after unravelling a slowly composing Blackpool side, who themselves managed to equalise beforehand to make the score 2 all. Forest found themselves ahead early with debutant Omobamideli scoring the first, Danilo putting Forest two ahead after, but Blackpool would pack their own punches with two goals to make the score level. Thankfully for the Reds, and once again, Chris Wood was the difference, netting another goal from a Ryan Yates past Forest 3, Blackpool 2. Furthermore, Neil Critchley's players and the fans of Blackpool can be incredibly proud, looking a good side, despite what their league ranking might say, a formidable opponent who in recent times has become somewhat of a bogey team for Forest. We can also tell you, thankfully, that the fan who fell ill is OK and managed to celebrate the winner with a smile. So some good news there also. So that is the latest from the 1865 News Desk. I'm Jamie Martin. Be sure to catch up with me on social media via at I'm Jamie Martin on Twitter or as it's now known X. Updates on Nottingham Forest related news throughout the week. Have a fantastic week. We'll see you soon. Thank you very much, Jamie. Um, Now, obviously, we've already talked about the Blackpool win and we also extend our condolences to Cheku Kiate and his nearest and dearest. The uh, players made a big show of supporting supporting the midfielder with the shirts that they held up when the goals went in and also at the end of the match. So that suggests, and and Nuno did point out that... uh, Kiate is is a, is a key figure in the dressing room, you know, a senior player. Um, now, obviously, really, the big story is the profit sustainability rules, um, but we will come on to that in just a minute. What I do want to start off with, Stephen, is just the speculation about Aral Mangala. I think it's there's a consensus that he has been one of our best players this season. He has shown a level of uh, aptitude and athleticism and ability as well as other things beginning with A, no doubt, uh, in the midfield. And he has kind of made the number six position his own. Would you be sorry to see him leave if we were able to double the money that we made for him? It would be a shame because it feels like it's only really been this season that we've been able to see the best of Oral Mangala. I think that's where he's really settled and has become used to being a Premier League footballer. And I think we're seeing the best of him because of that. However, it doesn't appear like he's really Nuno's kind of player. 
he hasn't featured as much since Nuno came in. So perhaps that does pave the way for him to move on. If we do double our money, I think that's good business. And tying in with what's going on at the moment with the, the breach of profit and sustainability rules, doubling your money on a player like Mangala is actually quite handy and it could fund further transfer spending. So on that basis, I'd be disappointed, but also pragmatic about him moving on because I think we could replace him. George, 12 or £13 million pound profit could be enough to buy a goalkeeper who can catch. <laughs> Let's hope so, yeah. Well, Forrest found that difficult over recent years, so that'd be a bonus. But yeah, catch and Just kick. <laughs> yeah, true. There. Maybe we need double that, so maybe we need to find someone else to plug. But yeah, yeah. I think under Nuno, the, the number six position maybe isn't as prominent as it was under Cooper with the sort of 4-2-3-1 as opposed to the 4-3-3. He likes sort of players like Yates and Sangare, who are sort of going to drive from midfield as opposed to Bangala, who's maybe a bit more passive and likes to sort of tie things over. I think he likes his sort of bold midfield players. And yeah, it's his, been his best um, vein of form this season, but maybe that's, you know, a good time for Forrest to cash in on him while maybe he's at his highest value, he's at a good age um, for clubs to poach him. And I think if he goes to somewhere like Italy, I think he'd suit their style of football. Um, and Forrest are very well stoked in midfield once Sangare and Cuyate make them make their way back. So, yeah, it'd be a, a bad loss for Forrest, but I'm sure they'll cope if that happens. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's the silver lining, isn't it? Is uh, um, Sangare's um, finding his feet. Hopefully, if he has a has a good tournament as well, um, like you say, we've got Danilo Yates, uh, Kiyate, who can all um, play in that uh, in that position. So it's basically four players for two positions. Dominguez can play there if we need him to as well. Um, although it has been nice to see Dominguez playing a little bit further forward and adding something. Um, Dominguez is clearly. Um, I think he's he's the nearest thing we've had as well to uh, to Samba in terms of his ability to try and uh, rile up the opposition and indeed the referee. Um, that's just a little tangent, but I, I thought it was worth mentioning. Um, Stephen, let's move on to PSR and the PSR breach and the charges. Now, um, I would point out that you are in the company of greatness in that, uh, you know, George appeared on ITV News, <laughs> Married on the Midlands was on Talk Sports, I was on Five Live. Um as was as is so often the case, the media tend to be more interested when there's a bad news story going on, don't they? Um, but how bad is this for Forrest? It doesn't look good because it, this could mean that at the end of the season, we've got an asterisk next to our name in the table and that's never normally associated with a good thing. So, yes, it's, it is potentially damaging for the club. It all hinges on how severe the punishment is going to be. Forrest have obviously said that they've been transparent with the Premier League throughout this process and for the last couple of months, particularly over the Brennan Johnson transfer to Tottenham. But yes, I, I'm concerned because it, it feels avoidable. And don't get me wrong, we needed to sign the players we did when we got promoted because we did need a squad capable of competing. But I do worry that we've gone a little bit too far with it and brought in too much that we didn't need. And as a result, we've gone over. And I don't think it's a good look that we were relying on one transfer of Brennan Johnson to go through at a particular time in order to keep us compliant with these regulations. Because what if Johnson had got injured and Spurs or Brentford or whoever didn't want to sign him anymore? Well, we'd be in real trouble then. So it does concern me the way it's it's panned out and... I'm just hoping that our punishment isn't too severe. Well, I mean, having an injured player doesn't necessarily stop 
um, a club from signing him. I mean, look at Forrest and Omar Richards. So <laughs> anyway, uh, George, I mean, the worry is, as Stephen said, that we're going to get to the end of the season and not know our fate because as every possibility, the points deduction or the sanction, whatever it might be, won't have been decided yet. Um, the safest thing to do is to make sure we finish at least 10 points ahead of the relegation zone, isn't it? Yeah, but then they might give us a 12-point deduction. I mean, yeah, the thing is, it's clear that the rules are broken and that says it all that the Premier League in August are looking to change the FFP rules. So it's almost like Forrest and Everton are being used as guinea pigs, really, and it's clear that it's not working. The Premier League have shown no real regard to Forrest. We saw Richard Masters refer to us as small clubs and... In the statement, it was very, you know, Forrest and Everton have announced that they've breached. Whereas in, I, looked, I just Googled Man City's statement out of curiosity, and that was alleged breaches, allegedly have broken the rules. So there's a clear, distinct, um, very different tone towards clubs like Forrest, should I say. But at the end of the day, Forrest should have complied by the rules, um, and it's their own fault. They've had some expensive mistakes, like Stephen mentioned. You know, we look at Richards, Biancan. Dennis, Troiler, Shelby, off the top of my head, who maybe not signing one or two of them would have made the difference in that sort of sense. But the club came out and said that they'd stuck by the rules and, you know, it's all a very messy situation. So we don't know what's happening, but I think the rules need to change because I don't think it's right that you can stick by the rules in the championship, maybe have two good years of making a profit and then go for it one season. And then that means that in the Premier League, you can't maybe go for it. So I think that is where the rules need restructuring. But Forrest um, really only got themselves to blame because they know the rules and they didn't stick by them. So for the purpose of clarity, I would point out that the Man City case is, is pretty different because it all hinges on the fact that Man City, Man City lawyers rather, are hedging their bets on the idea that you cannot prove that we've broken any rules, whereas Forrest and Everton have accepted yeah. the charge. Um, um, and also, as we discussed in our discussion podcast at the weekend, Man City do have the small matter of the entire legal weight of one of the world's richest countries uh, to, to call upon. Um, it's a way more complex case, and therefore it'll take a lot longer. So I don't necessarily blame the FA or the Premier League or whoever it is um, in that respect. But Stephen, there's two there's two sides to this, isn't there? So one, are the rules fit for purpose? But number two, Forrest broke them. Exactly. And we knew what the rules were when we came into the Premier League and before we started this season as well. The, the club sign up to it and agree to them before seasons begin. So we knew exactly what we were getting ourselves into. And it comes back to my point, if if we were relying on a transfer to go through to keep us under these regulations and keep us in, in the black, if you like, then that's a, that is a concern and it, it shows a lack of planning. And yes, the club might have said we're following all of the rules and the procedures and we're not breaching the sustainability and profitability limits, but clearly we have. So somewhere along the line, somebody's made a mistake and we potentially could be paying the price for this because if the points deduction, let's say we get one, is bigger than what we anticipated and it sends us down at the end of the season, well, it's done more damage to the club as a whole because we won't be a Premier League team anymore. So and Stephen, just on, on that topic, I mean, is it the case then 
that so obviously speculation is rife and we'll never really know the truth because we you just don't in these instances but nick randall got sacked dane murphy left the club uh it's a different position but george sirianos was sacked and then came back we've had directors of football we've had sporting directors we've had technical directors we've had chairman we've had chief executives basically everyone except for the big guy has come and gone behind the scenes that's not going to have contributed to continuity and stability in terms of transfer policy. And you notice, just as we did at the weekend, I'm staying away from the word strategy. I'm using the word policy. No, it doesn't create stability because you've got however many different people involved there in transfers and all having their say in all different areas of the club having an input on transfer strategy as well. It's been the owner. It's been the owner's son. It's been the head coach, it's been the director of football, the sporting director. So it doesn't point to a joined up way of thinking. And that's where you end up with a scattergun policy, which I think is what's happened. And yes, I I, I agree we need to bring in a lot of players last season. And there's always a risk involved with any transfer. You can do all your homework, you can do all of the due diligence bef- due diligence beforehand, but a player might simply not work at your club. But having a more stable policy behind the scenes gives you a greater chance of your transfers paying off. And I think we've fallen foul of not having that stability behind the scenes and created a mess where we've got a bloated squad, players who we might now struggle to move on, and we've breached spending limits as well. So all in all, that doesn't point to a very good way of things being run behind the scenes. Uh, George, I used the analogy when I spoke to Chris Warburton on Five Live of saying it's a bit like getting a speeding ticket. Um, You may not like the fact that it's a 30 mile an hour zone driving through that village, but if you're caught doing 35 on a speed gun, then you're probably going to get nobbled for it. Um, If you're lucky, you might get a speed awareness course, but there's also the point possibility of getting points on points on your license and a hefty fine um where do you think forest fall on that spectrum i mean it looks very likely that a points deduction would be coming our way because it's you know it's a definite breach of the rules and yeah i don't think you could hide the fact of that i mean it's not like and i think they missed it by something like 12 million was it i might not be right about that but that's not you know a small margin and forest clearly knew that they had broke the rules because they had this defence ready. So it's not like it's something that they didn't, like they, they knew they were doing it. So it's very hard for them not to be found guilty. And on the point before, I mean, the club really, from when I've been supporting, hasn't been, really been run fabulously. I've known Fawaz and Marinakis that are bitterly better under Marinakis, but I think the constant turmoil under him hasn't helped any of the situations. And Obviously, I know Forrest a lot more than many other clubs, but there's not many other clubs that you see so many names associated with the club. You know, you, you look at Brighton and the only one that comes to mind is Tony Bloom, things like that. Whereas Forrest, you say Forrest and there's Maranakis, his son, Wilson, and all these names that keep changing. And yeah, I don't think that's good. And it's not a surprise that something like this has happened and it may have been brewing for a long while. I'm just going to point out here, Stephen, that Brighton, just like Saturday's opponents, Brentford, are they an example of a club who actually do have a strategy? They are. They're a stable club. They know what they are. They know how they want to run things. And I think it's been a big factor in their success. 
the way that they they can bring players in, turn them into Premier League performers, and sell them on for profit when the time comes. With Forest, I don't think there is that that set strategy in place. I would argue, actually, the period that we did have a set strategy, which was Dane Murphy and Steve Cooper both in the club, was actually our most successful period under Maranakis. So, what does that tell you? You know, it's this instability is nothing new. It was like that before Cooper came into the club and in those early years of the Maranakis regime. I just think they've got to look at this now and, and learn from it and and try and create more stability at the club. Because actually we've got a good manager now in Nuno and it could be another good manager like him that ends up undermined by constant chopping and changing behind the scenes. Yeah, managers don't usually last that long at Forest, do they? So uh, <laughs> anyway, I mean, I'm I'm being blasé about it. And actually, what I would say is that I have no objection to Forest being charged if they've broken rules. Um, again, it's like that speed speeding analogy. Um, if you've broken the rule, it's a binary thing. Um, what about, George, uh, your, your lookalike, uh, Mr. Brennan Johnson? Um, Forest, in effect, are going to argue that they were punished because they wanted to get more money, which is seems to make sense when the rules are called profit and sustainability. Yeah, the fact that the rules don't have any leeway is going to be Forest downfall, isn't it? Because they held out, so they got more profit. In the whole sentence is profit. And yeah, their argument is also that Brown didn't want to leave. But at the end of the day, they've made more money, more money from for holding on to him for longer, yet are being punished for it. So that's where the rules need to include this bit of leeway where they don't allow you know, it's strict, it's three years, bang on, there's a cutoff. And if we'd have sold him on the 1st of July, uh, one minute past midnight, then we'd have still been in breach of the rules. So they need to include some leeway in the rules. And I think they're slowly learning because, like I said, they're going to change the rules. Um, and it's no surprise to see that. I mean, Everton are about to be charged for something they, they've already been charged for already. And they're about to get two-point deductions in the same season, If obviously, if that is what it comes to for two separate years of financial um, money. So I'm not sure how the rules uh, are stipulated at the minute, but they're certainly not anything that's sustainable. Mm. And and Stephen, just to, to finish up on this topic, I mean, again, I think the fact that the, the rules are going to change it's going to it's going to leave a bitter taste in the mouth maybe a bit for us but definitely for Everton because as George has pointed out they're feeling like they've been double charged of course Everton fans were, were keen to call corruption quite interesting that Forest fans generally have been quite resigned to it <laughs> yeah and I, I look back at previous examples as well going back a few years when Leicester got promoted to the Premier League they were found to have breached FFP rules while they were in the championship. And I think Bournemouth did the same and they got away with a fine. So it does it does make you wonder why why points deductions now were suddenly fair because teams have really benefited from breaching FFP in the past. And suddenly when Forest do it, it's when the points deductions are in place. And then next season those points deductions might not be there. So it's it's not fair on that basis. And also the fact that the cutoff point is June the 30th, I think, when you've still got two months of the transfer window left to run. Well, I should point doesn't... out, I should point out the clubs voted for that. So it's it's one of those things whereby, you know, have they have some of those clubs dug their own grave? And of course, the thing is, when you change the reporting period of anything to do with accounts, it creates anomalies and and it seems as though that's that's what's happened here. Um so 
we do need to finish it there. I just want to say thank you very much to Stephen and to George and, of course, to produ producer Romeo. Um, we will be back at the weekend. We're going to have a report on the Brentford game. Ivan Tony is going to be back for Brentford. Is he going to be fit? I really, really hope not. Um, it's gonna you know it, it's one of those things isn't it i think we all dread a match against brentford so let's see what happens there we want to say thank you very much to you listener for joining us as always and as always if you like what you hear then please do spread the word share our podcast all of our links are available at 1865.football and if you are listening on a fruit-based device we'd really appreciate it if you'd rate our show and maybe even leave us a nice review because that will help other people to find our content so all that leaves is for me rich ferrara to say thank you very much for listening on this friday the 19th of january have a great weekend and come on you reds Podcast Network.